0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: Building off the Defense Department's recent adoption of artificial intelligence principles, the intelligence community will soon release its own set of AI principles. Now, other corners of the federal government have also begun to roll out their own AI ethics platforms, but the Office of the Director of National Intelligence says those policies don't meet the concerns of the IC. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has the latest. And, Jory, which agencies already have AI frameworks, principles, ethics, whatever you want to call them?
2: A lot of agencies have been working on this. The Defense Department is probably the most recent example of this. Late last month, they put out five AI principles that are applicable to the Defense Department in its entirety. Those arrived on the desk of Defense Secretary Mark Esper by way of the Defense Innovation Board Last fall, they came up with these, and this board is comprised of a lot of uh, private sector technology experts who really spent a year-plus on considering these things. A year from now, in 2021, we will see a similar report come out from the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence. That is chaired by former Deputy Defense Secretary Robert Work, as well as the former Google CEO Eric Schmidt. Yeah,
1: Schmidt seems to pop up all over the place
2: Right right, He's on the defense Innovation board. He's on this board, so and his own, he, own
1: company won't even work with the Defense Department,
2: or some of them won't. well, that's another story for another day, but they have looked at this the NSC AI they've looked at this from a number of different perspectives, not just ethics but also how the u s can stay in the global arms race on AI. We've also seen the National Institute of Standards and Technology put out their own government wide roadmap on this that's really early stages, but it is the first in a long set of steps in in addressing some of the principles that agencies writ large will have to address. And meanwhile, we've also seen the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy put out what they describe as their own set of principles, but as it applies to agencies setting rulemaking for how the private sector uses AI.
1: But you're saying you're reporting that the intelligence community says it just can't borrow these policies from civilian agencies or other parts of government that have already adopted them. Why is that?
2: That was on the minds of a lot of folks at a recent Intelligence and National Security Alliance, or INSA, event. And to answer that question, we heard from Ben Hubner. He's the director of ODNI's Privacy and Civil Liberties office. And he said that there is a lot of consensus between the intelligence community and what the Defense Department has been working on. There's just a lot that the intelligence community needs to figure out on its own.
0: This ethical framework, it's not going to be there to provide all of the answers. It is going to try to be a structured approach to thinking through What are the right questions as we look through? How are we defining the purpose that the AI is used for? That, to me, as a privacy and civil liberties officer, is something that I am most concerned about. I am less concerned about the kind of custom-built AI used to do one thing. We've done that pretty well in the past. Where we potentially can get into trouble is that works so well that someone steals it to do something else without thinking through what was the underlying test data that we used to train that analytic. Is it going to really work in the same way with the same level of accuracy that we need?
1: So they're worried about reuse of AI algorithms from one domain to another. What are some of the other challenges the ODNI sees here?
2: Well, the other challenges that they're facing are not unique to them, but there are unique intelligence ramifications to those problems. Those problems are explainability, interpretability of the analysis made by these AI bots. This is a problem that is tackled right now by no less than DARPA. That's just really a technical limitation right now as far as where they're trying to get to on the ethics side of things. And Hubner said that in a lot of cases, the intelligence community doesn't need to explain its sources and its methodology. But as far as the stakes here, he did say that the intelligence community does need to explain to the president, of all people, how they got this information.
0: If we are providing intelligence to the president that is based on an AI analytic, and he asks, as he does, how do you know this? That's a question we have to be able to answer. And that does go to the need for explainability and interpretability in this space. That's
2: one consideration I have to work on. Hubner also said that there's the question of bias. And that is something that the ODNI has worked on on its human workforce as recently as 2015 to address these issues. But they're trying to square how that document works for AI bots. And here Humner outlines how many different ways the intelligence community has to wrestle with this question of bias.
0: It is true whether we're talking about sort of data-driven bias. It is true whether we're talking about kind of emergent bias, the confirmation bias that can happen within artificial intelligence. And particularly, and this is this one that does affect the IC a bit more, interaction bias, right? If you have an adversary who is actually trying to change the underlying analytic, that is a security concern.
1: We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. And I guess you're also reporting the IC is trying to sift out the difference between simply automating the workload it has now and deploying true artificial intelligence, which has something beyond simply robotic process automation.
2: That's true. And that's an important distinction here. Automation, the intelligence community does have a lot of experience there, really out of necessity more than anything else We've heard from the former National Geospatial Intelligence Agency director Robert Cardillo express that in the Cold War era, they had enough human analysts to look at all the satellite imagery that was coming through. But in this modern day and age where there's a proliferation of satellite imagery, there's no way they would be able to have a workforce that could keep tabs and all of that. And so that's where the automation piece of things really comes in, being able to amplify the workforce that they already have, help them keep up with this growing workload. But that's a big difference from, from the AI side of things. And here, Hubner breaks down some of the, the myths and the misconceptions of automation versus
0: AI. There's a bit of hype. There's a lot of things that the intelligence community has been doing for quite a bit of time. Automation is not new. We've been doing automation for decades. The amount of data that we're processing worldwide has grown exponentially, but having a process for handling large data sets for the intelligence community is not new either.
1: All right, so we know then that they have automation already going. And if they have this decades of experience, as Hubner put it, why does it need different standards for AI? I mean, I guess the difference is AI can self-learn and self-morph as software, and it can get out of control maybe? That's really the crux of it. Automation is kind of a one-and-done. You
2: identify a workflow, and then you find a way to automate it, whether that's RPA or some other method. And that's as much as it ever does. There's no further thinking behind it. But there's a whole different ethical consideration to make when it comes to AI for the reasons that you just outlined. Here, Hubner explains how much easier it is to put checks and balances on automation compared to AI.
0: As we do all of that analysis in the ways that we have always done it, we've been assuming that the analytics that we are using are fundamentally static. We go back and check them, certainly. The world changes on us, and the underlying data set does as well. But the analytic is static. That is entirely untrue, untrue by design when we're talking about machine learning. And what's more, the difference is it is not a human there making those modifications to the analytic. So does that mean that we don't do artificial intelligence? Clearly no. No. But it means that we need to think about a little bit differently how we're going to sort of manage the risks and ensure that we're providing the accuracy and the objectivity that we need to. And for that reason, the intelligence community really bluntly has the strongest business case there is for getting this right.
1: Yes, because, for example, as he said earlier, if you have to convince the president, say, this is a condition we've discovered, and you might have to take action, say military action, then you really need to be able to audit that decision That came from output of artificial intelligence. Otherwise, you can't justify anything. There's no auditability. I think that's what he's driving at.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that really is what he's getting at there. And the stakes are pretty significant. You need to be able to kind of have these AI bots show their work in some process, say that based on what you told me with this information, here's how I interpreted it, and here's how I came to this conclusion. So far, that's very elusive.
1: So at this point, the IC is developing standards and running experiments, but it doesn't sound like AI is a big deal for its day to day operations quite yet.
2: Well, that's what we're hearing publicly, but as who knows? Who knows with the intelligence community?
1: Probably not even all the people in the intelligence community. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out his story at (coughs) federalnewsnetwork.com. Cough and cold season is here
2: Visit success today.